Welcome to the Springs Church Podcast, where we explore the teachings of Jesus Christ and how they can be applied to our daily lives. Join us as we delve into the Bible and discuss topics such as faith, hope, love, and forgiveness. Our mission is to inspire and empower our listeners to live a life of purpose and meaning and to deepen their relationship with God. Tune in every week for a new episode as we learn how Holy Spirit, the Bible, and a relationship with Jesus will impact every area of your life. God, in Jesus' name, we thank you uh, for this opportunity that we have to be in church. We thank you that we never take this for granted, never become familiar with this presence of you in this place, God, the community that we can create within this church, God. We thank you that we just continue to come, continue to learn more about you, continue to to deepen our relationship with you, God. And we thank you um, as election time for the province comes, God. We thank you for, we just pray for all the leaders of this of this nation, of this province, of this city, God. We thank you for them. We thank you that just joy and strength just fills their lives, God. We thank you that they continue to lead this country, this city, this province into your will, God. And we thank you that for those that are all about themselves and are just trying to push their own agenda forward, God, we thank you that we can move them out and we can elect someone even better that are gonna just continue to move this amazing province, this amazing nation into your will. In the name of Jesus, never in agreement said, Amen and amen. Awesome. You know, before I get into my message, I guess it's good to say that is we always pray for our leaders. You always know that we pray for our leaders and it's important for us to pray for our leaders. Why? First of all, it's in the Bible. It's important to pray for the leaders. Why wouldn't we? We always say that no matter what, when we pray for someone, that's where it is so very important. I heard a a cool quote that said, if you gossip about someone, you talk about that person to other people, it leads you to hate them. But if you talk to God about that person, it leads you to love them. That's just how it works. And so we pray, why? Because it's important. It's important to pray for our leaders. It's important to pray for our families. That's just how it works. And we have a provincial election coming up. And so I just wanna push always, make sure to get out and vote. Pray for peace, pray for clarity. Get in there, learn, just exercise that right to vote because that's the way that we can change this nation, this country. That's the way we can change this province and city. We need to get out there and vote. End rant, that's it, but make sure you get out there and and exercise that right. Today, my message is entitled Pause. Pause, very simple, not P-A-W-S, okay? P-A-U-S-E, pause. (laughs) And it's important, and I want to talk about it because it's something that I've been in the middle of in my own life recently. Life is getting so busy all of the time. So many people, when you look around, are in this state of rush, are in this state of hurry, are in this state of unending to-do lists, unending tasks, unending things to do every single day of our life. That's just how it works. You ask someone how they're doing. It could be in the church halls. It could be in your community. It could be anywhere. And I almost guarantee nine out of 10 times you will hear something around the lines of this doing really good, just busy, just busy. It doesn't matter where they are in their life. It doesn't matter if they have a job or they don't have a job. It doesn't matter if they have a relationship or doesn't have a relationship. They always seem to say they're always very busy. Why? Because we are stuck in this state of busyness in the world. That's just how we are. It leads to terrible relationships. It leads to terrible marriages. It leads to divorce. It leads to never having lasting memories with your family because you're always just busy, therefore never present. 
The other morning I was driving to work and I decided to stop at Tim Hortons for a coffee. And I'm listening to the rules of the parking lot. I'm not driving across the parking spaces, okay? I'm driving the directed road, I guess, that's on that parking, that parking lot. And some person just rips across the parking stalls in front of me, right before i about to get into the drive-thru. I'm really sorry if you're here today. No hard feelings. <laughs> and as you know, most drive-thrus in today's day have two lanes, two intercoms. This is for efficiency. This is to bring the line quicker through to get your stuff. Well, this person rips in front of me and then stops smack dab in the middle of both lanes waiting to see which lane would be quicker. <laughs> Many of you are laughing, but 50% of you do that. <laughs> and you know you do, okay? So here's the thing, okay? Like, pause for a second. Huh? It's funny. Um, pause for a second, because in this moment, when you're in a drive-thru, you just go, you play the game, you know? You get up there, and what's the first decision? Okay, do I want to go behind the minivan, or do I want to go behind the car, okay? Wisdom says pick the car, okay? <laughs> you're starting to analyze which vehicle you're behind, and how many people are in the seats, and what they could be ordering, because we're in this just state of rushing, and busyness, and speed all of the time, and 50% of the time, you get it right, and 50% of the time, you get it wrong. I've learned to enjoy this game. I've almost added time for it in my morning to see if I was right that day. And if I'm wrong, then I got to recalculate for the next day, make a better strategy, come back and pick a better car to follow. So this person just goes right in the middle of both and waits for one lane to just go a little bit forward and then pulls into that lane. So I'm waiting behind her in the middle because I'm like, okay, here we go. And I go into my own lane. So now I'm in the right lane and this person's in the left lane. <laughs> we both happen to get to the intercom at the same time. I've never ordered quicker in my life. I don't know why, okay? <laughs> it just happened, okay? I was like, oh, okay, this, 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 yeah, that's all, that's okay. I'm nothing more. Oh, that's good. Okay, thanks. Have a great day. And I beat this person, okay? <laughs> don't clap. Don't clap. Don't clap. And my wife's in the passenger seat, and... As I pulled ahead, knowing I beat the person that cut me off, I let out this very human nature, ha ha. <laughs> ah, and then my wife looks at me with a little bit of disappointment, you know? And she's like, did you just really laugh? And I was like, I did, I'm sorry, but it's just like it was in me. It just, it, I didn't even think about it. It just came out, I just had ha ha, and then I got in front of this person. <laughs> And then of course it goes into this other rushed and hurried state of mind and, and of, of every single person. And you've heard me speak about this in my past messages where you pull up to the drive-through window and it's like, you're just trying to figure out how to get your, your, either your rewards card out for Tim Hortons or whatever it is to get your points. And they're, they're already like having the scanner out, holding your coffee in one hand. You're freaking out because you don't know how you're gonna grab the coffee and get your debit card and tap at the same time. The person at the window is already like hand out the window looking at the next order, making sure that they got it. Like they're just trying to push you through as, as quick as possible. It was, I kind of play with them a little bit because this one person says thank you all the time, which is great. I think it's great to be thankful. But 
oh, like she's like, I pulled up and she was like, hey, here's this, thank you. And I was like, oh, okay, and I paid. And then, and then she's like, thank you. And I said, thank you. And then she was like, thank you. And then I was like, thank you. And then, and then I drove away. And my wife again, it was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm sorry. It's just like, ah, ah. There's this rushed state of uh, uh, this, this hurried lifestyle that we all live. And so many of us are in it in this world that we live in. I was at a red light a little while ago and, and, I'm, and I'm going straight in the right lane. So I could turn right on the red if I wanted to, but I chose to go straight. Well, the person behind me was choosing to turn right, but obviously had to wait for it to turn green for me to get out of his way in order for him to turn right. So I'm looking at him in my rearview mirror and he's just like this, all mad in his car. Like he could have turned right on the red light, but I was preventing him from doing this. And I was just like, what? Where are you? Like, I probably added one minute to his day, but it, it was enough to give the hand actions in the back. And I'm just like, what is going on? Where do you possibly need to be so quickly? And if you are already late, then that's just on you, man. I'm sorry, but it is. And, and it's just like, I'm just enjoying my drive, driving to work, and this rushed state around you, everywhere that you go, they're trying to just speed up life. I've pastored youth for a long time in our 20-somethings, and of course, on stage here and, and a lot of the time when we are, are, I'd say our biggest goal within youth is to establish a ministry of students that would desire to be in a relationship with God, desire to be in the word, desire to strengthen their relationship with him. But the most excuse, the, the most heard excuse that I hear whenever I say, you just gotta do devotions, they always say, oh, I'm just really busy. And I said, I get that. It's important to understand, yes, there's lots of things to do, but that's what we hear all of the time. We're always just trying to get everything we have on our task list done so that we could possibly add maybe more time to our day when we end up just filling that void that we completed with something else to keep us more busy. And we get in this state of anxiety all the time, an anxiety not only to remain busy because we don't want to be in an idle mind, but also this anxiety to complete this task list just so we can add something else to it that might not bring much meaning and much purpose to your life. And we get stuck in this vicious cycle of constantly making ourselves more busy while also trying to free up more time so that we could have more time to enjoy, yet we don't have the attitude in our life to actually choose to enjoy our life. So we just fill it with more, more tasks and more things to keep us busy. This hurrying mindset that we have has left us rushing in everything in life. Everything in life is almost made to go, to make your life go by quicker. It feels like it feeds into this feeling that we can never just pause. It feeds into this feeling that every day goes by like that. It feeds into this feeling where if I ask you what you did on Wednesday, you'll go, oh, geez, what did I do on Wednesday? And we're talking like four days ago. You know what I mean? That usually tells us that a lot of busyness is happening in our life and we actually aren't staying in the moment. We aren't savoring in the moments of what we have in our day to remember, to have meaning, to have purpose in our day. And we get stuck because we've been, almost trained to do that in the world that we live in. We've been trained to fill every single moment with something to occupy our brain. Then we complain about anxiety because there's so much on our to-do list. But then when we clear our to-do list, we complain about anxiety because we're just not doing anything anymore. We need to be doing stuff all the time. It's this vicious cycle that we always find ourselves in, but 
the problem is, is life feels like it goes by so quick. Why? There's probably three different reasons that I would say life feels like it goes by so quick. Of course, one is busyness. We put so much busyness in our world that it starts to mold all of our days into, into one day and feels like we don't know which day is which day. And we continue to go forward and try to figure it out, but this busyness gives us a sensation that life is moving by a lot quicker than the 24 hours that we get every single day. The second thing is a bad one too. It's technology and distractions. Although it's added a lot of amazing things to our life, a lot of convenience, a lot of uh, connectivity between actual real relationships to a certain degree, and allowed us to do more, figure out more, bring the message of Jesus across the world in ways that we've never been able to do until technology came in. It also is used by most to distract you from everything. You're always on your phone. You're always, you have like, what do they say? That you have phantom vibrations you feel now wherever you carry your phone, where it doesn't actually vibrate, but you feel like it does. And so you pull it out anyways, you look at it really quickly. This is what's happening in the culture that we live in within all this distraction. See, this technology and distractions is what we want to get away from, but it seems like we're getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in them. And finally, the third thing that, that makes it feel like life is going by so quickly is the lack of mindfulness. The lack of mindfulness. If I could ask you a, a question right now, I would ask you, when, what's the last thing you were at, you were present at, physically, but weren't really present? And I bet you most of us would say something, maybe even already this morning. You might say to me right now, church, right now. I'm here, but I'm not actually here. Emotionally, mentally, spiritually, we get stuck in these sides where, where we're here, but we're not here. I was at a, a football game recently and, and sometimes I get to go to these younger, younger teams play and stuff, whether they're in our youth group or school or whatever it might be. And it's always fun to watch this football. I used to play football when I was in grade eight, I think. And so it's, it always brings back memories of being in football. And I saw more parents on their phones present at the game, looking up every once in a while, but not. And you're just like, what is going on? Like, I don't understand this mindfulness of, of actually taking in every moment for what it is. See, our entire society, our lives have been made simpler and more convenient, so to speak, because of the devices that we can buy. Everything in our household, everything in our car, everything in our pockets, everything in our bag seems to try to take an easy task away and do it for you so that you can have more free time. But the problem with this state of being in a rush all the time is that no matter how much free time you have, you will always fill it with another task, making you feel busy all the time. How many devices do we have in our home? We have toasters, we have ovens. I think, I don't have it, but we have ovens that connect to your phone so you can start it up before you even get home and on your way. I mean, hey, that's pretty convenient. That's pretty cool. I'm not judging it at all. We have laundry machines. And if you have a newer laundry machine, you can, don't even have to take the, the wet load out. You can just leave it and hit the, the, the dry thing and it'll just dry and, and, and rinse it all in one load. It's crazy. You have this audiobooks where you don't even have to read and sit down anymore. You can just play it on your car. Again, amazing inventions. Amazing for, for adding this, this knowledge and learning that we never had before. We have all of these different things from home automation. You walk into a room and your sensor turns your light on because you just saved five seconds from hitting the, the switch. 
And again, am I judging? No, I have some of those sensors, okay? Because it's really cool. It's more of a hobby than anything. And it's like, oh, sweet, turn on for, for me. This is awesome. This is great. But the problem is, is this state of rush leaves us in a spot where we constantly feel busy no matter how not busy you are no matter how free you are, no matter when you've figured out all your to-do list, you still filled it with something else and you feel this state of busyness all of the time. Well, you're gonna have more devices a year from now that are supposed to help you do more tasks and you're gonna feel just as busy. Isn't that weird? It's because it's an attitude. It's the way that we live our life. It's almost ingrained in us. And I'm gonna step on a lot of toes today in this message because you're gonna feel convicted because all of us do this. But for me, if God's word doesn't convict you into living a better life, then it's not doing what it should be doing. That's just how it is. When we read God's word, it should, sh it should push us into this new way of living. That's just how it is. And I know that I'm stepping on toes because I didn't hear one amen on that last comment. Because you're all like, oh, great. I have to do something again when I leave here. I got to change something again when I leave here. I talk about this quite often as, is we read in the Bible that we are to experience heaven on earth in the world that we live in. Now, even if it's just a taste of heaven, that would be pretty phenomenal. Why? Because heaven's gonna be amazing one day. But for us to live in hell and wait to get to heaven isn't the way God intended it either. He's intended it so that we could live the life he designed for us and feel like we get this taste of heaven on earth. In Matthew 6, verse 10, it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, this, this verse, this part of the Lord's prayer that we find in the Bible is where Jesus is te teaches his disciples to pray for God's kingdom to come on earth. It expresses this desire for God's heavenly will and reign to re be realized in our lives. That's, when you experience heaven on earth, it changes your family, it changes your, your marriages, it changes everything about you. And in Romans 4, uh, 14, 17, it says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So my question is, are you experiencing peace and joy in your life right now? Because most of us aren't. Most of us strive every day to add stuff that would hopefully, br hopefully bring us peace, hopefully bring us more joy. See, the Apostle Paul in Romans is describing the essence of God's kingdom as righteousness, peace, and joy. It conveys the idea that God's kingdom brings qualities that can be experienced by believers, us, Christians, in their earthly lives, giving them just a taste of heaven. I don't know about you, but every day I'd love to have a taste of heaven. <laughs> I would. And I strive for that, knowing that it is God's will for you to experience that. Yeah. It's not God's will for you to experience anxiety and depression and, and all this pain. It's God's will that you, yeah, you have your things you have to get done in life. Yes, in your work. Yes, in your family. Of course. I'm not saying go quit your job and figure out how to find peace. No, you can find peace and joy within your busy schedule, but it's changing the state of mind where we always have to be rushing, always have to be busy. See, this hurried lifestyle is in direct opposition of experiencing heaven on earth. Direct opposition of experiencing heaven on earth. There's an account in the Bible where we see Jesus. And I'm gonna read the verse in a second, but I'm gonna give it a little bit of context. Jesus and his disciples are walking in Jerusalem and they stop at, a, at a, the Martha's house. 
So Martha has a sister named Mary, different from Jesus's mother, of course. And Martha is your typical caretaker, amazingly caring person. She's frantically trying to make sure everything is ready for their guests, Jesus and the disciples, to come to their home. When Jesus gets there, Martha's continuing to just try to make sure everything's taken care of and everything's getting ready and the house is clean and if, if they're making food, trying to get the food ready. And once Jesus comes into the, into the uh, house, Mary just comes and stops doing what she's doing with Martha and sits at the feet of Jesus and just listens to his teaching. And this is where it starts in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, if you're taking notes. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's, at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she, ma and she came to, t to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to come help me. Martha, Martha, says in verse 41, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Love that. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Let's break down that verse a little bit. You have Martha's role, which I've already gone into. She was trying to be hospitable towards Jesus, which is amazing. I think it's very good to be like that. You have Mary's role. As one of the, the people in the household is frantically moving around trying to get stuff ready, the other, Mary, is sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to his teaching. Then you have Jesus' response, and Jesus responds to Martha, Martha's complaint, with a gentle correction. And I think that's very important in the world we live in. It's just a gentle correction. He tells her that she is worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. He commends Mary for choosing the better part, which will not be taken away from her. See, this hurried lifestyle is terrible because of our phones, because of our tablets, because of our unending to-do list, always having to hurry around to complete them. It ruins our spiritual life because it ends up forcing us to not spend time with God. Or if we do, guess what? It just becomes another checkmark for our to-do list. It's not because we genuinely are wanting to spend time with God. It's because, oh, that's a part of my uh, new time tracker. It's in there. I got to do it. And although that's great to make new habits, but God is wanting us to desire time with him. When you desire time with someone, that's one of the best compliments you can get. As a parent, if your kid came up to you and said, I just really wanna hang out with you, that would melt your heart. You know it would. And that's the same with God. God's in this place going, I just want my, my children, my kids, I want them to, to want to spend time with me. If he can want them to want to spend time with him, then he goes, your life is gonna be amazing because I created you, I know what's best for you. And if you stay close to me, I can lead you into everything that is like heaven on earth. See, we learn a lot of things because of this verse about Martha, Mary, and Jesus. Number one, we learn about the role of Mary. In contrast, Mary chooses to sit with Jesus at his feet. Back in the day, in their culture, sitting at a teacher's feet was a position reserved for a student eager to learn. So Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, eager to be taught. 
Mary is depicted as the one who prioritizes spiritual nourishment and learning from Jesus. And then you have Martha's frustration because she's busy and, she's, and this, this busyness eventually leads to her frustration. She perceives that Martha or Mary, sorry, is not sharing the workload and becomes upset. And she, and she brings her concern to Jesus, asking him to instruct Mary to help with the preparations. And what does Jesus say? Martha, come on. No, but it's a gentle correction. He didn't, he didn't hit her hard with it. He didn't really say something, that one-liner that really made her feel not cared for. It was a gentle correction, and he tells her that she is worried and upset about many things. See, when we get to this, we start to realize that the things that we learn from this verse is we need to prioritize spiritual nourishment. We have to. Jesus emphasizes the value of spiritual nourishment in this verse. And he says it over worldly tasks. He suggests that Mary has chosen wisely by prioritizing the opportunity to learn from him. And this teaches us the importance to set aside time for spiritual growth and contemplation amidst amidst our daily responsibilities. You also have this underscored um, need for balance in our lives that we find in this verse. While practical tasks, we know they're essential. We know we have to do them. We know we get up and our life or our day could be busy, okay? But we know we have to do them, but they should never overshadow this desire for spiritual nourishment. Because the second that they overshadow your, your desire for spiritual nourishment, you start to take on a completely different lifestyle, a lifestyle that leads you to try to figure out how to cope with anxiety, how to cope with depression, how to cope with, with losing friends or divorce or all these different things because our life gets so busy that we don't live it in the way that God created us to live in it with. And I love that they're saying avoiding busyness. Jesus says, Martha, you're so nervous and worried about so many things, but only one thing matters. And he was saying, and Mary's doing it. And I'm not gonna take her away from what she's doing. This is huge for us to, to, to understand in our faith what this can do for your life. See, one of the best things that we can do for our well-being is making sure that our spiritual life is healthy. And busyness, unending to-do lists, rushing will always degrade your spiritual life no matter what. In my preparation for, for this message, there, a lot of convictions came my way too. And I want to share with you a few lines that I feel like might step on your toes, but I'm okay with that. I hope you guys are too. The first thing is you will never be able to love your spouse effectively, effectively but while being in a rush. You will never be able to make lasting memories with your kids while being in a rush. You'll never be able to truly experience joy while being in a rush. You'll never be able to truly experience peace while being in a rush. Even though those two things are the two things that we should feel to have heaven on earth, it says in the Bible, joy and peace. You will never be able to cultivate gratitude and thankfulness while being in a rush. And most importantly, you'll never be able to actually enjoy time with God while being in a rush. All of my worst times as a friend, as a pastor, as a husband have been when I'm in a rush. I respond frustratedly. I, I say things I probably shouldn't. Everything comes from this, this state of busyness and rushing around where you can't just take time to be in the moment that God puts you in. 
It doesn't matter if God puts you in any moment to do something for him. You guys will rush through it like a to-do list. Myself included, by the way. This is, I always say, when I speak up here, it's because it's I'm going through a journey myself and I hope that what I'm finding helps everyone else as well. And I'm in my own journey with making sure that I'm not always just busy, 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 busy all the time. It has nothing to do with what I need to get done and my attitude behind it and taking moments to just pause. The pausing in our, in, our, in our lives are so incredibly important. And don't get me wrong, there's times where you need to rush. There's times where you need to go into this rushing and hurrying. But typically these are like 911 emergencies, life and death situations. And these things are far, few and far between. But the average person lives in a state of rushing all the time. And maybe it's so quiet because I might be speaking right to you right now because you are always stuck in rushing because I was for a long time and there's times where I feel like I'm still stuck in it. But I work at myself to try to get out of that because I know that every relationship, including my relationship with God, will go to complete garbage if that's the only state that I can be in. The only state that I can be in. So I wanna talk as I close up the three Ps of an unhurried lifestyle. The message title is pause, so I thought, hey, maybe there's three Ps that would be good with this, okay? There's no, no more than that. I just figured them out, and we're gonna close with this because if you're taking notes, write these three things down. They're more practical than they are spiritual, but they are backed up by, by, by the word of God. And the first one, the first P is prioritization. An unhurried lifestyle begins with prioritization. It involves consciously identifying and focusing on what truly matters in your life. This means setting clear goals and values and aligning your daily activities with these priorities. By knowing your priorities, you can make intentional choices about how you spend your time and energy, reducing the rush to engage in less important or distracting activities. Number one is prioritization. If you don't get your priorities straight, okay, you, you, it's, it's gonna be tough. My dad used to teach business and leadership and one of the things he talked about managing time is he said POD. I'm sure he, he found it somewhere on the internet too, but it starts with P is prioritization, okay? The O is organization and the D is discipline. You know what the hardest of those three are? The discipline, <laughs> okay? You feel real good when you prioritize and organize, don't you? And then two days in, you're like, oh, I forgot to discipline, shoot. The discipline is hard. It makes us get up and have to discipline ourselves into the organization of our priorities. But then my question is, what are your priorities? Because so many of us get them so backwards. Prioritization of the things that actually matter is absolutely crucial in your married life, in your kids, in your family, in your career, in your church life, in your community, whatever it is. If you don't prioritize what truly matters, there's a lot of noise in our world, lots. And it makes you prioritize things that aren't as important because people are squawking around. But you need to stick to that discipline of going, I'm still gonna prioritize what I know to be the most meaningful thing in my life and brings me the most purpose. God's created every single one of us to walk in his purpose and will, but it's a choice that we have to make in order to walk in it. And if we don't make that, we're gonna be left in this life where we don't experience heaven on earth. We're gonna be left in this spot where we wish that life was better. We're gonna go to trying to figure out medications to cope with different things that we have just because we didn't choose the God kind of love, the God kind of living, the God kind of going, no, I want to live in his will. Number one, prioritization. Number two, presence. 
presence. I asked this question early in, in, the, in the message. I said, what's the last thing you were present at, but not present? You were physically there, but your mind wasn't. Someone shared with me in the halls, they said 10 years ago, they heard a pastor give stats that said 49 or 50% of people in 2010 said that they say the majority of the time I might be physically present, but my mind's not. And that's in 2010. That's gonna get worse now by, I bet you that, that stat is 80%. This is just me guessing, 90%, I bet you. And guess what? It's gonna get worse and worse and worse because the, the, the further you go in life, the busier you get. It's a mindset. It's not prioritizing the right things. Presence is absolutely massive. It's a fundamental aspect of an unhurried lifestyle. It means fully engaging in the current moment, whether you're spending time with loved ones, whether you're working on a project, or simply enjoying the beauty of life. Through everything you go through, there is beauty. Through the hardest hardships, through the most grief, when you lose someone, there is beauty. There is. But you have to prioritize and being present in those moments to see it. Presence is massive. We see it in Matthew 6:34. It says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What is this verse encouraging us to do? Not be overly concerned about the future and focus on the present. That's what it's saying. Psalms 118.24 says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This verse reminds us to appreciate and to be present in the current day, recognizing it's a gift from God. A gift. Number three, the third P, pacing. Pacing. Pacing is massive. It refers to the deliberate management of your time and energy. It involves setting a sustainable rhythm for your life, recognizing your limits, and avoiding the constant pressure to rush from one task to another. All of you control freaks are gonna have a hard time with that. <laughs> it's okay, you can call yourself a control freak because it's, it's tough sometimes. We gotta make sure we pace ourselves and not always feel like we are rushing from one task to another. Pacing includes creating intentional pauses, like I'm speaking on today, and rest periods to recharge, reflect, and regain focus. It's about finding a balanced cadence, okay, that allows you to maintain productivity without sacrifice your well-being. You never want to sacrifice your well-being for having a busy lifestyle. I said this in the start of my message a couple, couple weeks ago. I said, we have different celebrities that say, I wish everyone would get everything they ever wanted, had all the money, all the cars, all the fame, all the everything, and just to realize that it's not the answer. So you're prioritizing something that will never fulfill you. And that scares me. I think that's more so what scares me than anything else is that I prioritize something that's gonna keep me busy my entire life and not denounce my faith, but just never experience it. Never experience it. Can you imagine? It'd be the worst. Pacing, we see this, the Bible emphasizes the importance of rest and observing a day of rest, the Sabbath. We read about it all the time. God rested on the seventh day of creation and he commanded the Israelites to honor the Sabbath as a day of rest and worship. This principle underscores the importance of making and taking regular breaks and not overworking. God wasn't saying rest because you are commanded and you have to. He was saying he knew that it was for our well-being that we have to learn to rest. Later in the Bible, it talks about the Sabbath being something that was created for man, not man created for Sabbath, meaning it's, it's made to help us. It's made to let us remind us that we need to take a break and rest and pause. 
Now, while not using the word pacing in the Bible, the Bible encourages a balanced living. In Ecclesiastes uh, chapter three, there's a verse that talks about there being a time and a season for everything. This includes uh, times for work and times for rest. And this indicates the importance of a balanced lifestyle. If I can say just a couple more things before I end my message here, I wanna create a word picture for you. Imagine trying to enjoy a gourmet meal with your significant other, with your kids, whatever it is, while constantly glancing at your phone or attempting to savor a beautiful sunset while your mind is racing with an unending to-do list. In both cases, the richness of the experience is lost because we weren't fully present. Similarly, when we let busyness and distractions consume us, we miss out on the depth and the beauty of the life that Jesus designed for me and Jesus designed for each and every one of you. And when we miss out on that, life takes on an entirely meaning that we won't, don't wanna be there for. This is what leads to people not wanting to be on earth. This is what leads to people having anxiety and depression. We get stuck in this. And if we don't learn to pause, your entire spiritual life will never fulfill you. And most importantly, you will never worship God, our creator who is more than deserving of your praise, far more deserving than your praise. Not only that, you'll walk around in life never fulfilling your purpose because you aren't letting God lead you. It's scary, this, this state of rushing around. I wanna leave, leave you with just an action point today and everything else I said. <laughs> Take a moment each day to pause, every day. And I mean truly pause. Switch off all your devices, step out for a walk, okay? Nothing's gonna happen when your phone's on you. You're not that important, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry, okay? That one slipped out. <laughs> but that's what I realized too. I'm not that important, really. So now when I go on walks with my wife, my phone stays at home. When I go for dinner, the do not disturb gets turned on. When I, when I go and I try to be focused at work, I turn on do not disturb. I do not want to see notifications because it instantly pulls your attention from what actually truly matters. And we have to stay away from that. We have to get out of this, but you need to take as an action point, take time to pause every single day, go out for a walk, use this time differently. Sometimes dedicated to prayer and just thinking and contemplation, marvel at the nature of what God's creation is because it's so phenomenal. Be in awe of it. Make this pause a part of your daily routine. And I would say do it once or twice every single day. 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever you can get into that and prioritize in your day. And I can almost guarantee it will become one of the most, your favorite times of your day. I wanna discuss this topic more in future messages, but let me conclude with this. Embracing the art of pausing and changing the pace of your life can bring healing and renewal to every aspect of your life. Every aspect. And it will offer a far brighter and more hopeful tomorrow. All the time. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Every single week at church, you know what we do. We always love giving you an opportunity to, to, to accept Jesus in your life. And you may have been listening to me today talk, or maybe you've been listening to the messages in the past weeks, and you've been contemplating this decision to give your life to Jesus. And I think it's one of the best, if not, it is the best decision you could ever make in your life is who you trust in forever. 
Now, God is, is that, has that ability to be someone that you can actually rely on, someone that you can actually lay back on, someone that you can actually walk through life with and feel this just peace and joy. Like I said, many of us don't experience heaven on earth. But if you never trust in Jesus and make him your Lord and become a Christian, you don't even have a chance of experiencing heaven on earth. Because when we choose to live our life after Jesus, it produces this life of heaven on earth. That can take you out of anxiety. It can take you out of depression. It can take you out of that deep-seated grief that you've experienced 10, 15 years still after that loss. It can take you into the life that God has for you. What I love about God is that it's personal to you. It's not a group. It's what's gonna fulfill you the most. And so if you're here and you don't yet believe in Jesus, you have not yet accepted Jesus into your life, I wanna give an opportunity right now to everyone sitting here and everyone joining online right now, wherever you are. If you're sitting here, sitting in your, in your bedroom, you could be sitting in your living room, you could be sitting in a cafe, whatever it might be. This prayer, this time is just as powerful through that screen. And so if you're listening to this message, whether through it's a podcast or whether it's online after we even we do this, you can exactly accept Jesus in the same way here. But for all of you that are in front of me right now, every eye closed and every head bowed, I just wanna take a quick moment. And if you wanna accept Jesus in your life right now, just a moment between me, you, and God, I want you to just raise up your hand right now all over the auditorium and just look at me and give me a wave. Awesome, thank you, thank you, thank you. So good, thank you, awesome. So phenomenal, thank you, so great. Don't let me miss your hand. I wanna see anyone who wants to just partake in this life, start experiencing heaven on earth, thank you. So good, thank you, so phenomenal. You guys, I hope you realize the amazing decision that you're making right now. It is so impactful. Same with you online, we're gonna pray in a moment. Thank you, awesome. We're gonna pray in a moment and all you gotta do is repeat after me and then you're accepted into Jesus's kingdom and it is so, so amazing. This part never gets old in the, in the service ever. But don't let the devil deceive you into thinking this is not your decision to make. Your life is your decision and God has an amazing life planned for you. It would be a shame if you missed it. I'm gonna look around just quickly. If I, didn't, if I didn't miss anyone, I'm just gonna look around quick and just make sure just before we pray. Awesome, thank you. All right, the prayer goes like this. Everyone repeat after me. Father, in Jesus' name, I give you my life. Please come into my heart. From today and on, I'm following you. Give me the power to change every day, every year for the rest of my life. Jesus, I'm following you. In your name. Amen and amen. Let's give a round of applause to all those amazing people that made that decision.